MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights. Speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward, don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Welcome, everyone, to the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. I am your host, Jimmy Trana, joined by my producer, Brandon Nix. We have two separate interviews on this show. First up, you're going to hear from writer Ray Ratto, who uh, has bounced around San Francisco Examiner, San Francisco Chronicle, NBC Sports Bay Area, and uh, now he's a contributor to Deadspin, and he is a very, very funny guy. And he talked a lot about the sports media business. Anyone in it will enjoy that interview. Uh, Ray broke things down as only he can. If you're not familiar with him, I have a feeling you'll be a huge fan afterwards. He's great on Twitter, does not like compliments. So I'm not going to keep complimenting him. But um, you guys will enjoy that interview for sure because he brought it. And then after Ray, we had two... Hosts from MLB Central and MLB Network, Lauren Shahadi and Robert Flores in studio, talk about the MLB season, their show. We got into it a little bit about Mike Trout. Robert is a huge wrestling fan, so we, we touched on that a little bit. Um, and we talked about just MLB, skewing older, how do they get younger, the personalities in the game. Good spot there. So those are the two interviews there. I should remind you in the archives from last week, we had a good interview with Taylor Rooks of Bleacher Report. Dan Rovell, who uh, made a name for himself, well, I shouldn't say made a name for himself, but caused a raucous Monday night with his performing of One Shining Moment. He was on the podcast two weeks ago, so you can listen to those in the archives. Please subscribe and rate and review. So we're going to get to Ray Ratto in a second. Let me just first tell you that this episode of the SI Media Podcast is sponsored by Roman. Guys are terrible at taking care of their health, whether it's a knee injury, bad back, or something worse. Guys are usually more comfortable just rubbing some dirt on it than seeing a doctor. The same is true for erectile dysfunction. Studies show 70% of guys who experience ED don't get treated for it. Thankfully, Roman created a simple, secure way to get checked out by a doctor and get treated for ED online. Roman is a one-stop shop where licensed U.S. physicians can diagnose ED and ship medication right to your door. With Roman, there are no waiting rooms, awkward face-to-face conversations, or uncomfortable trips to the pharmacy. You can handle everything discreetly online. 
All you have to do is visit GetRoman.com media, fill out a brief medical onboarding, chat with the doctor, and get genuine medication delivered to your door in discreet, unmarked packaging. Guys, go online and get checked by the doctor. Erectile dysfunction is a problem that guys just don't tackle, but with Roman, it's really easy, so just take care of it. For a free online visit, go to GetRoman.com media. That's GetRoman.com media for a free online visit. GetRoman.com slash media. All right, let's get things rolling right now with Ray Ratto. All right, joining me now, someone I have thoroughly enjoyed following on Twitter, reading his columns over the years, and uh, I think uh, everyone here is going to enjoy this. He is Ray Ratto, formerly of the San Francisco Chronicle, now of Deadspin, contributor, I believe. Ray, how are you? Uh, yeah, cheap freelancer. Is that what part-time it, whore? Did you, did you did you ever think Deadspin a freelance or a Deadspin contributor would be part of your bio? Um, I don't know. Listen, when I got hired to work at a TV station and write for them, right? I thought all bets were off on what my future was going to be. Yeah. Um, the only thing I knew was if you don't, if you're not able to move like a crab, you'll never move forward. So, I've done lots of stuff. Uh, you have, and I was. Uh, you were one of the people who were part of the national, which I loved, and it was so ahead of its time. It was basically like blogs on the internet before the blogs on the internet. Um, is that a fair assessment? Would you say, or is that ridiculous? It was a lot of interesting thoughts, some of which were twenty years ahead of their time, some of which were about twenty years behind their time. And I could never figure out what their time was, because ultimately the thing that killed the national was their inability to figure out how to work with trucks. Right, right. Because they, they couldn't get the thing distributed, and yeah. I think that probably killed them from growing into other cities and becoming, you know, what a lot of countries in Europe have had for decades, which is a national sports paper. For anyone listening who doesn't know, the national was a daily national sports paper that had. Every single heavyweight in the writing world, basically, in the sports writing world, at least, um, it was an um, unbelievable roster of talent that was at that paper. And me. And Ray. And <laughs> all, all. And if I'm not mistaken, the, 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 well, I don't know about the ultimate boss, but one of the founders and the person running it was Frank DeFord, who um, I can tell you from experience in dealing with him at SI, probably the nicest person that has ever walked the face of the earth. Oh, no, a, a, a delightful fellow on a number of levels yeah. who entered into a world that I think he was fully unprepared for. Yeah. Because what he did was, and listen, I enjoyed my time there, so I don't want this to be interpreted as criticism, but he made an all-star team but forgot to build a ballpark. Yeah. And ultimately, yeah. that's what happened. Which, which when you, I mean, and he was a writer his whole life, so you could sort of see how that happens. Yeah, he's thinking about exactly. the writing, and yeah, I, I don't want to do a full bio because that bores people, and you seem like the type that would hate that. But c just take me through the stops of your career: the National, the San Francisco Chronicle, and like how long you were there. Yeah, well, just three for... years as a male prostitute coming out of college. <laughs> um, Probably your I, highest uh, paying gig. I mean, journalism compared to journalism. Yeah, well, <laughs> I found out that there are more similarities than I was comfortable with. <laughs> um, no, I. Um, I came out of college, San Francisco State, yeah. uh, worked at the uh, San Francisco Examiner uh, for a while doing yeah. preps, then uh, colleges, then 
and half a season on the Raiders, uh, got hired by a genius named Dave Bergen, who was running the Peninsula Times Tribune out of Palo Alto at the time, um, lasted until they went all interns all the time, uh, went to the um, went to the Chronicle, uh, worked there for three years, was lucky enough to cover the Giants when they got good in the late 80s, um, and then signed on with the National, uh, 11 months of fun-filled nightmares, and then uh, got hired at the Examiner in San Francisco again to be a columnist, and then when Hearst bought the Chronicle, went back to the Chronicle, and that lasted till. 2010 when I got hired at uh, what is now NBC Sports Bay Area and that uh, that ran its course in December. What and now I'm a contributor slash whore at Deadspin <laughs> among other places. Out of all your gigs, what was your favorite and what was your least favorite? Um, I think there were good and bad for most of them. I mostly good. I got very few complaints. Uh, I think. Uh, Probably the last couple of years at NBC were not good because they were a lot more television and a lot less writing. And I mean, I have a sh- I have a face for shortwave radio, so <laughs> um, the television didn't you know didn't really pique my interest much. Right. Uh, the most fun, I'd like to say the National, but the one problem with it was is that it was East Coast guys running what they pretty much viewed as an East Coast paper. And I was a San Francisco columnist, so it was a little bit like being, you know, the ambassador to Bulgaria, <laughs> you know, which is, we know you're on the payroll, but we don't really know what you do or why you do it. Right. And, uh, you know, the, the one good thing about that was I, I ended up working with Mark Fanderuwada, who's gone on to far bigger and better things than I. Right. So, you know, if I got, like I said, I have very few complaints, but... You know, the, all all my jobs changed at one point or another, and I just had to be adaptable and figure out how to change with them. And sometimes I succeeded at that, and sometimes not. So obviously, I mean, this business—you've seen all the changes in this business. Uh, you know, I don't know, I don't know what to make of this business. Sometimes, if it's in good shape, bad shape. Um, but when you when you were let go from NBC Sports Bay Area a few months ago. Did you see that coming, or was it a surprise? I, I kind of saw it was coming. I mean, there, you know, there, there is nothing more volatile than people trying to figure out how to get ahead of technology once they've let technology get ahead of them. And I think, you know, look, we're in for a lot more changes because you know, the army of podcasts that we have now, those are going to diminish in time. Mm-hmm. Um, just everything is going to shrink and change and be more and more dependent on whether you're covering a winning team or not. Because when you enter into what we are now, a world of click counting, mm-hmm. the things that get the most clicks are the teams that win and the, and the subjects that grab. And mostly those are a Venn diagram of two circles on top of each other. So, if you're fortunate enough to be good at what you're doing and you're covering a good team, you'll do very well for a good long while. And then when that changes, you'll have to be ready to change. And that's probably the biggest difference. I mean, you know, there's, there's all sorts of technology. And in five years, the technology we use now, we're not going to be using anymore. But the one, the one thing that I think is changing and is not going to change back is 
you are a slave to who you cover in terms of your career. If you're covering the Golden State Warriors, you're going to be golden for a while. If you're covering the Miami Marlins, things might be a little thin. Right. Well, but if you're a national columnist, how, how does this new world affect you, really? If, if uh, I, I would think... I mean, I agree with you with what you're saying there for the local beat writer, but I do think there's so many more opportunities now for national writing, or am I wrong on that? Well, I, I think there are opportunities, but there aren't openings. Right. Because the, the, the thing that's happened with click counting is that, that um, people in charge now are absolutely focused on the notion that local is what sells, and maybe it does. I'm not an expert on that. But, you know, guys like Dan Wetzel, who are as good as anybody in this or any other generation, Mm -hmm. you know, there are fewer and fewer of him because there are fewer and fewer places where you get people go, okay, we want you to write anything because you can. Uh, I mean, he's true. He's a polymath, but there are more of people who could do a lot of what he can do. I'm not trying to compare anybody to him, but there are people who can do that still. I just don't know how much of a market there is for it. Right. Because I think more and more bosses want local because local gets things moved on a small level. And I don't know that people who get moved on, who can get movement on a large level don't get sucked up by television and become talking heads. Right, right. If you, yeah, if you're successful in print, it's almost like you're forced to then go in to do something on television, even if you don't want to do it. Which, yeah. or seems, you suck at it, like right. I did. Yeah, well, I, I have the same issue here. I mean, even you know, I'm not a newspaper writer, but I write for SI.com. They want me to do video. I'm terrible at it, and it's not fun. Um, what do you make of the athletic overall and as a business model? Um, I, you're talking to the wrong goat for business model stuff. Yeah. Um, well, but in terms I, of, in terms I mean, well, of, it, look, it, I think if, if it's going to stay a subscription model, um, it's going to have to figure out a way to be more click worthy in more places just because, you know, at some point with the army of people that they have who are all very good and do their jobs pretty well. I mean, I subscribe and I, I read it every day. Right. And that not just, not just the Bay Area, but everything. Um, I, I think at some point, if you're going to get away from sort of click mastering or it's, it's vicious sidekick subscriptioning, um, you're going to have to let your people be your people. And I think they do that pretty well in some places. Like, I mean, Katie Strang writes a grocery list. I'm reading it. <laughs> I mean, she's superb. Right. And they've got, they've got a lot of really good people on their hockey side because they saw that hockey was underserved. Right. But in terms of business model, that, their business model may change in a year. They may find that the subscription thing has gone as far as it's going to go, and maybe they adopt to it. I mean, so I, I, the, the business model is not as interesting to me as sort of the writing and and content dynamic and i really hate the word content by the way it just it makes everything seem clinical but if 
I think what they what they can use more than anything else is rather than say twenty or twenty five villages of content is some sort of overseers. I mean some some Wetzel types, mm-hmm. you know. And it does it just doesn't have. I mean they've got you know they've got great National Hockey people. They got Kenny Rosenthal. They they've got you know football people, but they don't really sort of I think have that the, the series of authoritarian voices who can go to moment's notice on whatever story happens. Um, and maybe they're, you know, maybe they have a better sense of how well that works. I don't know, but I think in terms of what they've got, they've done what they've wanted to do really well. And now I think they're probably ready to expand how they do the content they make. Well, and they, um, and they announced today. The business, the business model, I guess, is the business model. Yeah. I, again, if the subscriptions work great, if they don't, they'll change the business model. They're, they're not fools. They, they announced today that they're adding, I think, 20 podcasts now to the to the athletic. They'll all be behind the paywall, um, which is an interesting move. Uh, you know, It's hard enough to get people to listen to podcasts, and you put them behind a paywall. It's uh, it's a challenge. So I'm not sure what that move. I I think, like you said, uh, some national opinionists might have been the way to go there. But listen, if you know, well, more people I mean, have you jobs, can do could... pretty much anything you want because you've got unlimited bandwidth. Yeah. But with podcasts, I think the ones that succeed are the ones that, frankly, are less specific content driven and more sort of. Well, who's telling me this? Right. And I think that's the hardest thing about uh, everything. I mean, it's, it's figuring out people who can work together and like working together and just interact well, because you can make pretty much anything really interesting with the right people talking about it. So uh, that'll be that'll be the interesting thing for me because I think. Yeah. You know, you're, the the basketball podcast field is pretty crowded. Very. The, the baseball podcast field is pretty crowded. Football, not quite so much. I think hockey is always a little bit behind, but they're they have their share too. It's just, I think at some point, the field is going to get way too crowded. And I think of all the of all the podcasts that are out there in the world, about eighty percent of them are going to die off soon because. At some point, somebody's counting all this stuff. And well, the, the things that don't add up are things that they will get rid of. Yeah. Because well, that's the nature of business. But I also think podcasts are very, the, the good ones at least, are, are personality driven. You have a personality. Have you been offered podcasts uh, to host a podcast by anybody? Um, I did one for a year when I was still at NBC with a guy named Todd Dewey in Las Vegas. Okay. Uh, and then it didn't get picked up again. It, they didn't want to do it the second year. Uh, God only knows. God only knows why. <laughs> and nothing since then. Um, you know, if, if the opportunity comes up, I'm I'm eager to give it a go because yeah. I think it would be fun. Yeah. But again, doing a podcast by yourself is a lot more sterile, unless you're Mark Marin than doing it with with somebody else that you've worked with or know or just have an affinity with. And that's that's the trick with all of them. Yep. And it's, it's like you said, it's if you get partnered up right and the personality is there, 
you'll do well. And if it's not, you won't. Yeah. Well, tell me about your deal. I don't mean deal business-wise, but what you, you are doing for Deadspin, what the gig is. Is it right what you want when you want to want? Do they give you a topic? What's the Deadspin relationship like? It's a little bit of each. Um, you know, sometimes I pitch to Barry Pacheski. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he pitches to me. And uh, we just do it. He's uh, he's a gentle editor, which I like, and I probably sometimes could use a little more editing because my sentences tend to gallop on. <laughs> but for the most part, it's relatively informal. He'll send me an email. What do you think about this? Or I'll send him one. You know, how does this? How, how do you think this will play? And usually it's a yes. So I mean, I suppose I could I could pitch more often, but you know, it's it's sort of when something I think sort of works for me and them. So right. it's really more to, more seat, in the, seat of the pants than anything else. And as my couch will attest, <laughs> the seat of my pants is definitely my best feature. <laughs> so, so is there anything brewing in your head? Is, any, is there anything you want to write about right now? Anything brewing? Any topics you're into? Anything you have your eye on is, since you get to um, pitch? I mean, I, well, I, did, I did something today on the NHL playoffs, which was not nearly as detailed as you would get at the athletic or, or places like that, but it was, it was kind of dead spinny. Right. Um, you know, at some point, you know, when the NBA playoffs start, and I think it's going to be harder to make that interesting because the NBA is almost not about the NBA anymore. It's about what happens when the NBA isn't going on. It's about yeah. what players go and where and, who talked to who and what agent is pissed off at what team. And it's really sort of the NBA has become what's going to happen, not what just happened, which makes it sort of weird because to guess at what's going to happen, you know, you not only have to be wired into a lot of agents, you have to be prepared for every one of those agents to lie to you at a moment's notice and feel no shame when he does it. <laughs> so I think that's a, that's a business for about 10 guys and, and, and 10 guys, 10 women in the country tops because they're the go-tos. Well, I, I, and, I, I go ahead. The only thing I would push back on a little bit is, I mean, they have emerged as the number two sport in this country in terms of popularity. And I, I know you hate this because you said earlier, but in terms of you want clicks on the internet, NBA. Now lo- what you said is extremely valid. A lot of it is the fights between players and who's going where. I think though, when the playoffs start, the big, the NBA, the league, the fans, the media, everybody, they're going to, they're, in, they're in for a rude awakening when they see how much juice is lost this year without LeBron James in there. And it, and it has nothing to do with the Lakers or whether he's a Laker Cavalier or whatever. He was a nightly show every single year in those playoffs. And you take that element out. You, the people are in for a rude awakening when they see how much less they're going to enjoy the playoffs without him there every night as the star. Well, more importantly, they're going, and they've already started to miss this is not having him in the early game. Right. Because even the NBA, as much as the Warriors moved the needle, their, their ratings were down, especially for the, for the West Coast games, because amazingly, and it's not really their fault, the Warriors have made the actual playing of the games almost anticlimactic. And that's really what I meant by my earlier rant. It's that 
everybody seems to think they have the mystery novel where they already saw the last page and they think they saw the last page in October. Right. Right. And that's where, that's the one thing that, you know, the NBA can't control, which is the actual results. Unless they want to start to get into game fixing, which would be fun. <laughs> that would be a good I mean, story. I could get behind that. Yeah, and that would provide a lot of content. Oh, I, I think <laughs> I think this, the time is ripe for a new Arnold Rothstein. But I think you know, the NBA is, in its, in its way of becoming a 365-day-a-year sport, mm-hmm. a lot of it has moved to almost sort of Game of Thronesy type stuff, which is who's going where? Who's having dinner with who to figure out who else is going where? Right. I mean, what was the biggest story of the year during the regular season? You had your choice between Draymond Green and, and Kevin Durant having a spat in L.A. Mm-hmm. or trying to figure out what the Los Angeles Lakers front office was doing from day to day right. because it is a rolling pie fight. And it's going to just stay that way for a while because I'm not sure that anybody knows what they're doing there. Yeah. It, it, and I think because it ends up getting so much attention and the clicks and uh, online, it just dominates. You just see, of course, there's more and more and more of it. It's where does it end is, is uh, the question because it's clear that that's what people love. They love the well, drama. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I just, you know, it's... If if the Lakers were in the East Coast, mm-hmm. um, I mean the the league would be happy, TNT would be happy, but they're not, and that's sort of part of the the weird thing about the NBA right now. I mean, where are their best teams? They're not they're not they're not in major media markets or at least big name markets by NBA standards. The Lakers stink, the Knicks stink, the Bulls stink. Yeah. Um, but you have seriously enjoyable teams in Milwaukee and Philadelphia and Toronto and Oakland uh, and Denver. Um, you know, it's the, the notion of NBA royalty has been turned on its head. And I think it may either be proof that the NBA is more about players than teams, or we might be heading into something a little bit like the late 70s when nothing but off-brand teams were winning. You know, right. Seattle, then Washington, you know, Portland. I mean, places that were not... I mean, they're big cities, but they're not big cities by NBA royalty standards. Right. Um, and nobody waxes profound about that era either. Right. So I think in some ways, the NBA is in a very weird place, but it's making more money than ever. So maybe the nation's ready for weird. I I, I think the, uh, the the way the NBA has approached the way they've approached their online presence, I think, is a huge factor in it. And they're the only sport where they fans can post any video highlight they want. The NBA doesn't get them. Rem- I mean, the NBA is so far ahead of the other leagues when it comes to the technological stuff. You know, they have the 99 cent package where you could buy a game that's in the last five minutes. They're so ahead of the cur- curve on other sports. But I think that masks some of the problems that you've pointed out here. So it's interesting to see where well, it goes. I don't, I don't even know that what I've pointed out are problems. They're just weirdnesses. Yeah, yeah. And I think they challenge the way people thought the NBA should be. So, uh, um 
I, I mean, I, they, they are ahead on everything. I'll be interested to see, though, how they do the gambling. Well, I was, it's so funny you said that. I was going to say I wanted to make a left turn here since you mentioned the point shaving, and I wanted to get your take on the legalized sports gambling and how it affects writers, media, coverage. Go, give me what you Say what you want to say, and then let's get into that. Okay. Um, I think, first of all, that this gambling boom that everybody thinks is going to happen is probably not going to happen. I'm with you I on think, that, first actually. of all, the legalized gambling hides a couple of serious flaws that sort of under-the-table gambling doesn't have. One, you can just call a guy and get down a bet. It's easy, but you don't have to pay right away. You settle up later, and I think a lot of people like that convenience. The other thing is when you gamble legally, states take their rake after that, which means you're winning less when you're winning than you think you are. Right. I mean, there are states that have I mean, ridiculous tariffs on gambling winnings. And, I mean, if I'm a gambler and I'm already gambling and I'm doing fine, why would I, why would I gamble legally when I'm, I'm going to make, make more money going to my guy? Are you, are you a regular listener of this podcast? Because I have made this point week after week. I have said... I've bet my whole, you know, for the last 15 years, I've bet with an offshore site, fivedimes.com. They make gambling legal, and people are like, oh, you're going to bet with FanDuel? You're going to bet with William Hill? No, I'm going to stick with five dimes. They give me the best odds. It's, uh, but the media doesn't seem to know it well enough to understand that fact. You did, obviously, because you just brought that out. So I well, appreciate I mean, that. Well, one, I do listen to your podcast, <laughs> but I always thought that before. Um, just because there's nothing that ruins a good idea quite like when you make sure the government has it. <laughs> so I mean, true. they, they, yeah. they literally struggle to make a four way stop. Yeah. So why would they be able to do gambling? Right. And it's fascinating and, to see this. You know, it just, it's, and that's why I think this, this alleged gambling boom that the NBA has been sort of at the forefront of is going to turn out to be less than they thought it was. I mean, it's good that they're on it because some people will want to just gamble legally and not worry about it. But for the most part, there's no there's no benefit to going to the state or going to to DraftKings or whatever. Right. You don't get a benefit from that. So why would you leave a guy who books you now and does fine by you? Right. What is your dog? I, I think that's most of the market. What is your dog's name barking in the background? Oh, that's the evil Chico Mackey, named after the old uh, Chicago Blackhawks player. That's Chico. Chico's a great a, name for a dog. He's embittered because somebody's ringing our doorbell. I was going to say, does he want food or does he want to go out? Uh, well, he's been out, he's been fed, and the hell with him. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a pain in the ass and he deserves to wait. Especially while we're talking about something as important as gambling. Go ahead, I want you. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree with you. And the other thing, it's a. To me, the media has done a terrible job covering the gambling angle from the standpoint of these new sports books where it's legalized are offering users terrible odds. The odds are still better with your bookie or on the offshore sites. Well, I mean, look, it's sort of like when sports writing started to have to do business and medical stuff and all the other things that made sports writing a lot more complicated 30 and 40 years ago. Right. You can't be a master of everything, especially things that are that complex. I mean, it's, there's a reason why uh, 
there are only a few people you read about for gambling information in terms of, of mainstream media people. Yeah. It's because they're there on the ground and they're living it. I mean, boots on the ground are still the best coverage tool ever, and then it will never change. So everybody else who's trying to figure out, oh, you know, Monday night's game is sure to be an under because these two teams don't score. Yeah. Well, you know, all you're, then at that point, you're not really a sports writer. You're just a moron at the bar with an opinion. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, heck, you can go to a bar, get a, get a moron for free, <laughs> and you don't have to worry about it. Right, right. Yeah, you because know, mor- morons is the one, the one product that Americans have in such abundance that we will never run out. <laughs> There's no doubt, and they, and they seem to, it seems to increase more and more every day. Oh well, because they regenerate. <laughs> I mean, you, yeah. you don't need to yeah. couple to make a new moron. I mean, they just sort of subdivide in this gigantic yeah. cave in Wyoming. Yeah, and they they they, they are a never ending. The growth, there's the audience that's growing, is the moron audience. Oh, uh, well, I, uh, I have no proof <laughs> to uh, suggest that you're wrong. Well, so speaking of the moron audience, what is your, I, you're, I know you don't like compliments, but you're very funny and biting on Twitter. You're always there with the jab. What's, how do you, what is your overall view of Twitter? Is it, and well, let me ask you this, let me ask you this. How is how you view Twitter, how you use it, how you feel about it, how, if it has changed, how has it changed when you were working and then after you got laid off? Um, when I, I had never used it before I got hired at NBC. Right. Because it was one of those things where, oh, what do I need to do? I mean, one more pain in the ass and a day full of them. <laughs> um, but again, it's just, you know, if you're not going to be good at it, then don't bother. Right. And you can only do two things with Twitter. You can either develop a personality on it, or you can use it for links that might make you smarter. Right. So I just said, well, you know, I'm just going to be me, however malignant that is, <laughs> and then just let whatever happens happen. Yeah. So, I mean, I didn't have a strategy going in. I just figured, well, if they're going to make me do this anyway, I want to do it the way I want to do it. Right, good. And I just sort of went at it to blind and half-assed like I do everything else. Right. And that's really about it. It just, it's, I have a malignant personality, <laughs> so I just let it play. Well, listen, I mean, I, I am in awe of people who are good at it, and I think they're few and far between. I think most people are like me, and they're just, you know, whatever. But the people who are good at it, I think don't plan it out and don't have a strategy. I think if you plan it out and you have a strategy, it just it makes you so douchey you can't be good at it. No, the longer you think about anything, the worse it is. Life is putting. If you stand over the ball long enough, you'll screw it up. <laughs> right, right, exactly. And now listen, there's I'm not, I'm not saying that people should not maybe rethink some of their tweets, even the good people, but like you said, if you're much better off letting it fly than trying to have some strategy for Twitter. you got to have better things to do with your time. Well, and the other thing is you sort of have to have a governor in your head right. to know, okay, well, I'm, this is what I think I'm going to say. Now, am I saying it in a way that will be unintentionally offensive <laughs> to who I am or the people I'm trying to reach? And you have to be able to figure that out pretty quickly because I've, I've, you know, 
tweeted a lot of things or been about to, and it said, you know what, somebody's going to think that's wrong. Right. Right. And I don't know how I define wrong on a daily basis. So it's all, again, it's seat of the pants. But so I'll just, I'll just sort of tweak it a bit so that I don't run into that problem. But for the most part, I have contempt for my audience, and <laughs> that's what they're paying for, which is nothing, by the way. Well, since you mentioned contempt for your audience, before we wrap up, I just... I have to talk about this opening line from The Ringer when they featured you in January. It says, something awful happened to Ray Ratto. It isn't that he lost his job. It's worse than that. A lot of people have been telling Ratto how much they like him. Uh, when I know when you made the announcement on Twitter that you were no longer with NBC Bay Area, there was an outpouring, I would call it that, of, of compliments. Um, are you... Not having that job, and does that make you? Are you a little easier now getting compliments, or you still hate it as much as you did a couple of months ago? I, I always, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that this is some sort of you know weird set of synapses in my brain that don't fire correctly. But when somebody says something nice about me, I always imagine their hand in my pants, reaching for my wallet. Why are you saying something nice about me? Why can't we just move on to the next drink? And I don't know why that is, but I mean, to me, that 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 sounds like so. That sounds like it would take a lot of time on a couch at about one hundred and fifty dollars an hour to figure that one out. Oh yeah, so I basically just spend time on my own couch for free and just <laughs> flagellate myself at no cost. But no, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I just to me, I, I mean, I think you you're going to get compliments from time to time. And, you know, they're, I don't hate them, but I don't want to sit there and look for them. So what, so when you send out, go ahead, when you send out a tweet that gets a lot of likes, do you say to yourself, why are they liking this tweet? Or do you say, okay, this tweet deserved the likes, or do you not even want to look at the like, like how adverse to the likes are you? Um, I, I don't really look at them. I mean, I just throw it out there. I mean, there will be like a few familiar names if I see one like like that hits like that. And I'll say, well, that's good. Somebody I like and respect like that one. Right, okay. But that's really about the end of it. Yeah. And, and, and Brian Curtis, who did a ridiculously good job on an unworthy subject. He is excellent, um, yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I think, I think he was probably... I mean, I was I was embarrassed by the number of people who who liked the original announcement because I just one I didn't think I was that much of a name. Two, being on the West Coast, you sort of don't even think that way. Right. You just you know we're we have, we live in a place that has no no humidity. That's the deal, <laughs> you know. So stop looking for more. And so when it when it happened, I was I was surprised. I was embarrassed. I was confused. And then when he wanted to write about me, I was all of those things times four. So I, I, I don't know. I, and then the reaction. If I could give you a rational answer, I would, but I'm babbling. And then the reaction to that article was completely, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not over the top. It was very strong. It was very strong reaction and very, a lot of feedback to that article as well, which must have rocked your world again. Yeah, except that now I'm still, it's still early in April and I'm still unemployed. So right. it didn't have that much of an effect. So are you actively trying to find a full-time gig? Are you reevaluating what you want to do? I mean, 
you know, in this business, I, I, I've been I've been talking to a few people, but the one thing that is universal about the business I have chosen is that people talk quickly and act slowly. Yeah. And yeah. sometimes they talk quickly and don't act at all because it's a different hiring world out there than before. Yep. It's they like younger and cheaper and not interested in benefits or insufficiently interested in benefits. Yeah. And it's, you know, I mean, a lot of if, if this is it, I'm okay. But I kind of feel like I've got one more thing I want to do, and I'm not quite sure what it is yet. Maybe go back to male prostitution. <laughs> you know, listen, it always comes full circle. I came back to SI after leaving, so there you go. It's the same thing. Um, yeah, I, I'm not even going to make a parallel there. <laughs> if someone... <laughs> I did. If if someone came to you right now you could and said to you, okay, you can pick what you're going to do starting tomorrow. Pick your job. If it's one job, multiple jobs, writing, radio, TV, whatever it is, someone said you can write your own destiny starting tomorrow. What would you be doing? Uh, probably, I, I think I, I I'd still want to write because I still that's the thing that I enjoy the most. Okay. Um, radio would be fine. I've done some of that. I've I'd probably like to tackle some more podcasts just to see if I can get good at that. Yep. I mean, having failed at everything else, let's give that a go. Um, pretty much anything that doesn't sort of warp me or make me, you know, sort of a, a, a producer's puppet where they give you the topic and then you, you grind on about it. Right. I want to be able to pick my own stuff. Right. And I don't know how many jobs like that are still out there because I'm not convinced that Anybody, even Stephen A. Smith, has that much freedom. I think everybody's working in a very tight format these days. Mm -hmm. And I think the few people who aren't, and I referenced Wetzel before, I mean, those are the the ones who are winning. Yeah. The ones who can go and do what they want, how they want, and just be trusted. Yeah. That they'll deliver. And that might be more than anybody has a right to ask for, but that would be the ideal gig. Yeah. Where it's just, hey, I just, I just saw something. I think there's something here. Let me go. Right. I think, I mean, maybe I'm being optimistic, but I think there's, I think that still exists in certain places. Hopefully it works out where you get one of those gigs because obviously you know what you're doing. You'd be good at it. Um, I know that's a compliment. You don't like that, but I'm wrapping up, so I just wanted to say that. And uh, I appreciate you coming on, and hopefully, uh, you know, that that gig comes along for you. That would be outstanding. But listen, at least we still have Twitter. We can get you on Deadspin, and uh, just keep doing it. Well, I'm shoveling as fast as I can. <laughs> That's all you can do. That's all you can do. I, yep. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, it's, a, it's a wild business, so I'm, I'm, I thank you for sharing your insights on it. Drink early and often. Thank you, Ray. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jim. Take care. All right. My thanks to Ray. Before we get to Lauren Shahadi and Robert Flores, let me just tell you that this episode of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast is also sponsored by Robinhood. Robinhood is an investing app that lets you buy and sell stocks, ETFs, options, and cryptos all commission-free. 
while other brokerages charge up to $10 for every trade. Robinhood doesn't charge any commission fees, so you can trade stocks and keep all of your profits. Plus, there's no account minimum deposit needed to get started, so you can start investing at any level. The simple, intuitive design of Robinhood makes investing easy for newcomers and experts alike. View easy-to-understand charts and market data and place a trade in just four taps on your smartphone. You can also view stock collections, such as the 100 most popular. With Robinhood, you can learn how to invest in the market as you build your portfolio, discover new stocks, track your favorite companies, and get custom notification for price movements so you never miss the right moment to invest. Robinhood is giving listeners of the SI Media Podcast a free stock like Apple, Ford, or Sprint to help you build your portfolio. Sign up at simedia.robinhood.com. That's simedia.robinhood.com. And now let's go to my interview with Lauren Shahadi and Robert Flores of the MLB Network. All right. Joining me now, two hosts of MLB Central on the MLB Network every day, 10 a.m. Eastern. And I am very grateful they came to the SI Studios. Lauren Shahadi and Robert Flores. How are you guys doing? Hello. Good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for My having us. My pleasure. You guys have to be excited. Baseball is here. You're yeah. back on the air Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Your show's 10 to 1. Yes. Do you feel like that's a, is that a grind? Are you exhausted by the end of it? Or are you just sitting there talking baseball uh, and it's... I mean, it It depends. Uh, it, we're still early in the season, so everyone's bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Yeah. But for the most part, I, I, I think it's, it's, we have such a great crew that it really there are a lot of times where it doesn't feel like it is it's a grind or that it's even work you'd be hard-pressed if you walked in our studio to know if we were on the air or not we're right. doing the same thing throughout the yeah. commercial breaks robert and i are joking about the astros or me being a nats homer or something like that and the camera goes on and we're saying the same thing so it's a lot of fun now robert came from espn uh-huh. it's always fascinating when someone leaves the worldwide network and they mm-hmm. and a lot of, i i used to I think the perception used to be like if you leave ESPN, um, you sort of your career maybe falters. But I think that's been dispelled now by mm-hmm. many people, including yourself, obviously. But many have gone on to. But when you leave ESPN, is that a how how difficult is that decision? Considering they are the beast in this business, it wasn't that difficult for me when I chose to leave. It was a decision that um, I was looking for something different. I had been there for eleven years. And uh, myself and my family, we were eager for a new chapter. And the people at MLB Network were were great. They continue to be great. And it was the right thing at the right time. It's exactly what I was looking for and what I needed. Um, Sure, I I miss – there's a lot of people that I – Used to call colleagues there in, in on the Bristol in the Bristol campus that I that I miss, but it, it's it's uh, I always tell people it's a lot like the players that we cover. Right. You 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 change uniforms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you just come to a point where it's time for a change, and that's all it was for me. Uh, we were talking before we started about Chris Russo, who has a show on the MLB Network as well, and he always says I heard him say this a million times about MLB Network is like the best place to work. If you can't work for the MLB Network, mm-hmm. it's on you. Yeah. I guess you guys you guys are nodding, so I guess that's the uh, the theme for MLB Network. From top to bottom, I've been there for almost eight years. It is a home. It is a brotherhood. It's a sisterhood. We, it's It sounds cliche, but it's just wonderful. I mean, for us baseball fans, when you're fanatic about the game and you get to walk into the makeup room and see John Smoltz and Pedro Martinez and Mrs. Met all in one, right. <laughs> like you're in a good place. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. 
with MLB Central, you guys are on Monday through Friday. What is the ultimate goal of this show? What What is your ultimate goal with the show, Lauren? And then we'll go to Robert. And what What do you want to accomplish? I want to reach every fan. I want to reach the athlete sitting in the locker room with his teammates. I want that breakdown to be exactly what was going through their mind when Masahiro Tanaka was on the mound and someone was in the box. I want to reach the kid who is obsessed with baseball and wants to learn from the greats. I want to reach the grandma who's having her coffee and loves the game and wants a funny, quirky fact. I want to reach the casual fan who, you know, just uh, wants a entertaining view of what happened the night before. I want to reach everyone. And if we have something for everyone in every show, then we've accomplished our goal in my mind. No, I, I, I agree with that 100%. And when you talk about the casual fan, I think that's, that for me, I think is the toughest yeah. nut to crack. Right. And I would love if our show could be a, a place where even the casual fan, okay, maybe I'm not well, or I'm not totally immersed in Major League Baseball, but I like the chemistry that these three have, and I like the way their spin on sure. things, and I like the way that they cover the game and look at the game, and we make it entertaining for even people that aren't totally immersed in Major League Baseball. Because it, for those people, we got them, mm-hmm. and, right. and, and we aim to do the best job we can possible because they are a demanding audience, and yeah. rightly so. But, boy, if we could get that casual fan, too, that's, that's, e- that's even more special. And we work on that. We were with Pedro and John Smoltz the other day, and Carlos Pena, and he said it's a high-probability swing. Well, for... A ton of baseball fans, they know what that is, and a, a ton of guys in the clubhouse, they know what that is. Mm-hmm. But for me, I wasn't really sure what that meant. I can guess what that means. I said, wait, and I kind of, I was hesitant to ask it because mm-hmm. I thought, mate, I played softball my whole life, but do I not know what this is? Should I know what this is? And Carlos Pena, he's like, great question. This is what it was, and the way he explained it, yeah. the the bat path through the 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 bat through the um through the zone, it was. It was just in layman's turn. It was so fantastic. And I feel like people at home were like, wow, I didn't know that. I learned something. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. As you're saying that, I'm thinking in my head. Because obviously there is this issue with baseball skewing older, which we can talk about in a second. Because I'm a huge baseball fan. I love MLB Network. I watch the Yankees every night, follow the sport. And And I hear from a lot of people about, you know, baseball's for old people or whatever. But just in what you were saying here about what that, that um, segment with Carlos Pena. I do wonder if, because everything is, the analytics have skewed in such a massive way. And it is like, I, I still don't know what war is. I mean, I also don't care. I yeah. watch the games with my eyes. But there are all these now, these terms. And they come at you, you know, people, mm-hmm. you know, yes, uh, ERA plus and this and war. I wonder if that has hurt the game a little bit in terms of, a casual fan trying yeah. to get into it. No, I, I get what you're saying, yeah. and I always maintain that there should be – we should have a big enough umbrella where if you're a stat head, if you are invested in that information, if you want it, then we have a place for you. If you're – if you don't know or don't care what FIP is or – Babip or anything like that. <laughs> right. We have a place for you. Yeah. Um, I think when you look at what the NBA, I think the NBA is is hitting the right spots in a lot of those areas. Uh, player efficiency rating, 
Uh, those things mean those things matter. Those things mean a lot to front office people, to a segment of the fan base. But there is still that that uh, that sense of the players are the important thing. Right. The athleticism is the important thing. The drama is the important thing. And, and I think that Major League Baseball is is making significant strides in all those areas. Yeah, it's um, it it with with the players, I do feel like. The MLB players, I feel like there are a lot of them out there who have personalities that we don't know about. You guys have players on your show basically mm-hmm. every day. Yeah. They come in town, I guess, mm-hmm. for the Mets and Yankees, and you guys have them on. Give me a couple of guys you've had on who you've been very impressed by in terms of their personalities mm-hmm. and and uh, just you know being fun. We had Kevin Kiermaier on yeah. today yeah. for the Rays, and he's an all-out, all-the-time kind of guy. And we talked to him about baseball for a little bit, and then Robert asked, what's your passion? It's bow, what was it? it was bow fishing? Bow fishing. He, like, uh, Jimmy, yeah. he lit fishing up. Fishing with the bow and like, arrow. let me tell you, we're on the boat, we're not in the water, yeah. we're only killing the animals that, what, what do you say, that are overpopulated, yeah. so it's completely legal. I mean, he went on and, that's a and perfect on, he lit up. Yeah. And that's a perfect example of a player... Okay, maybe he's not a superstar, maybe not someone that has that transcendent quality, but still, he's a very good player. Their team, has has, uh, they were very good last year. They're off to a great start this year. And he comes on our show, and he gets to talk about something that he's passionate about aside from baseball. It's not just the, well, it's just one game at a time, that sort of thing. So that's why I think that one of the things that I like about our show is that we give the players these platforms Come on, be your, come on to our show, be yourself. Right. Hopefully, you'll laugh and chuckle with us, and hopefully, we can find out something interesting you about you besides that you're a baseball player. I feel like it's changing a little. I feel like because I've always had this philosophy in doing interviews over the years. You usually get a better interview out of a B level player than an A level player, hmm. but I feel like it's changing a little bit. Like Bryce Harper now has become the face of the game. Uh, we have Noah Syndergaard here in New York, who's very outspoken, yeah. gives you some personality. Alex Bregman, obviously mm-hmm. in Houston, is out there. And you still have, you know, it'd be nice if Aaron Judge wanted to give you something, but obviously the Yankees have their players on lockdown, and they'll never be allowed to show personality ever. Um, but I do feel like it's swinging a little bit with baseball with with Harper and Bregman, and I think that can only be good. I'd like to see more guys get out there and and be vocal. And this is a big thing with Trout because I had. My point with Mike Trout is, I think he's boring, and then it became like if you say that on Twitter, yeah, you you wouldn't you, you got crucified. You, you cannot say that, but I he's allowed to be boring. There's nothing well, wrong. He's a, he does not have to want to be a Syndergaard or a Bregman. He's allowed to do what he wants. Yeah, I, but I, but here's my my only thing is, it he it's totally fine for him to be that way. It's up to baseball to then market other players and put other players out there and don't rely on him to be the guy. Yeah, but I I will submit to you this, that no one understands the responsibility of being Mike Trout than Mike Trout, okay? Right. He is, uh, just for case in point, Sunday, who I forget who they are playing, I think it was Texas Rangers, game ends, he immediately goes to one of the ball, to the uh, dugout camera does an interview two minutes after the game with us on MLB Tonight. A four-minute interview, boom, bing, bang, yeah. we're done. But he's not saying anything in those interviews. Well, here, here's the thing. I mean, but it depends on what... 
When you say he's boring, I, I think some of the to- some of the times the questions he's at being asked are terrible. Right. Okay. Okay. Media asks terrible questions a lot of times. If talk about talk about that's right. not a question. Yeah. Okay. First of all, two, I we interviewed him in spring training, and I asked him, or no, it was Dan Plesak who I was with. Hey, take us inside. What's it like being Mike Trout? Mm-hmm. And he told us a great story of about he and his wife getting some dog food for one of his dogs at a local pet store that he where around the spring training facility. And he said, I could sense that people were closing in. I felt a little bit like I was being stalked. And I whispered to my wife, and sure enough, the pictures came. Yeah. People had baseballs for me to sign. Where they had baseballs or why they had baseballs at a pet store, I don't know. So it's that sort of thing. It's in, it's a two-way street. Yeah. We have to be asking better questions. And, and as I said, I, d- I don't think anyone takes the responsibility of, of more seriously of, of what he means to the game than Mike Trout. I do think it's interesting he ca- that after he signed that contract that he came up with, they came out with the commercial um, – I told you how effective it was because I don't remember. Th- I don't remember. Play? No, no. The one where he's dancing with Andrew oh, Luck. Oh, with Andrew Luck. Yeah. Why do I, I, it's amazing. I don't know the company that did the commercial that – Marketing, Uh, but it was a phenomenal commercial. Mm -hmm. He showed some personality. I was like, I wonder if there's like, obviously it was done way before he signed the contract because it came out I think when the season started. But I wonder if maybe Trout maybe will be a little more. I find him magnetic. Really? Yeah, because in my mind, if my kids can, I mean, he's on the internet in the dugout helping these five-year-olds. You know, he said, oh, give, I'll give you a bat. Come into the clubhouse. To me, he's a role model. Yeah, Is he but that's, pompous and Well, it's two different things. Outspoken? No, he's definitely yeah. a role model. Listen, you, no one could dispute the way he plays the game. Sure. I know right. he, he does a ton with kids, charities. A little more fun would be nice. That's I, I think saying. that the thing is, is that ultimately... You have to be who you, you are. Exactly. Who you are. Now, exactly. If if yeah. if Mike Trout say had the personality of Antonio Brown, okay, <laughs> that would be a problem. <laughs> if Mike Trout had the personality of Kevin Durant, right? So it, it's these. We can't keep putting them in these. Boxes of uh, it, you know. But I also, it doesn't have to be extremes. You can have a personality of a Bregman yeah. or a Syndergaard who have not done any. You know, these are, yeah. and they back it up on the field too. My only point is, there's nothing wrong with Trout not wanting to be that. But I also don't think you should be. You know, if you say that, you're saying something blasphemous. It's right. Know, but that that's my only point. I would love to. I I have a feeling there is personality there. He doesn't want to show it. That's his. Yeah. I, he, there's nothing wrong with that, but there's also nothing wrong with saying, you know, it would be nice if he showed a little something every now and then. Just well, I mean, know. if he continues hitting forty great. homers, right? And, uh, well, and that's robbing all, all don't matter. <laughs> robbing other MVPs of homers. Well, there's also that, I don't want to get into it here, but there's also yeah. the whole other issues. He's in L.A. or Anaheim, or you know, and in, in, yeah. in, in here in New York on the east. There is East Coast bias, whether people want to admit it. I mean, we don't yeah. see those players. He's hitting home runs at you know. And while everyone's sleeping here, it's a, right. So it is a dilemma a little bit. I think it also uh, really also depends on what the team around him yeah. is doing. I, I think baseball is is so difficult in that um, you only have three three chances to three or four chances a night to have a to have an impact at the plate. Maybe a couple of chances a night in the field to have an impact. Uh, with the glove right. so that's a handful of chances yeah. and, and he makes the most of it that's yeah sure. absolutely yeah. so it just it it 
sometimes things don't quite line up right, but hopefully for the Angels, you know, they've got him locked up basically for the rest of his career. That's got that settled. Now we can kind of focus on Building let's get around. this let's get the best player on the in the world on the on the biggest stage and get him in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah I, I it's interesting with him not testing the uh, the free agent waters because it would have been nice maybe to see him in a different market. But hey, listen. He's the best player in the game. He's got 430 million. I know. He could have million. been in Houston, right? Oh, gosh, here we go. I mean, Jimmy, just, right? Houston, just wait. Well, listen, Houston's done a great job. Bregman has put a lot of, you know. He is awesome. Yeah, he's given yeah. Houston a lot of juice there. So, I mean, I, you know, listen, as a Yankee fan, I'm tired of the Astros. If they, mm. they own us. It's a problem. And I don't, Is it, though? Oh, Seems like it's going a pretty big well. Problem. I kind of like the way it's. Growing up as kids, <laughs> was baseball I, I, your favorite sport? Mm-hmm. I know you do the NHL as well. Yeah, I, it, for me, it was it was baseball. That was my that was my favorite sport. I mean, I grew up going to the old Astros Houston Astros. Who was your favorite Astro player as a kid? Cesar Cedeno. Cesar Cedeno. Yeah. I mean, it, he's a name that doesn't really resonate nationally. Right. Um, but he was a, he was a guy that was compared to Willie Mays, and then had some injuries <laughs> and, and other things that yeah. just uh, it didn't work out for him. But J.R. Richard and oh, yeah. uh, Mike Scott. I mean, just. On and on. Yeah, yeah. It and started and you? ended for me with Cal Ripken Jr. I grew up in the D.C. metro area, and I was at the game against the Angels where he blo- broke Lou Gehrig's consecutive games okay. played streak. And Were I you? Remember, I didn't know that. Yeah, and I just remember. Mm. I remember my dad. My, it was because of my dad, and yeah. I remember him at the beginning of the season. He said he's going to break it, but we have to take into account weather, right? We have to be at the game. So you had to buy tickets three games prior three games you had to make sure you were at that game i remember it was a who's who it was like a 22 minute standing ovation you went around and around and this is a i I always say this when we talk about him robert it was like a seemingly blue collar work ethic but he was larger than life i remember sitting with my dad and i was like this is it it in the in the stands it was presidents it was it was everyone from the most former teammates, former teammates, president. You know what's interesting about that? It's almost though I'm not taking anything away from that. It's almost though the game where he didn't play was the bigger game than the game where he broke the record. Remember, yeah. I remember Chris Berman. Were you already? Well, that was probably bef- way no, before, was before you. Yeah. yeah, But like I remember Berman. It was an ESPN deal and Ripken jogging around the bases. They made a big deal that first game. He did. I think it was against the Yankees too. Maybe that's why I remember it so well. Um, I think that, it was against the Yankees. Yeah, yeah. but and that the, but the game he he broke the record. That was an ESPN game. Imagine okay. never missing a day of work in 14, 15, 16 years. No. Imagine that. That's, no. that's incredible. Yeah. Imagine yeah. that. Yeah. And uh, I remember he came in studio last year. Oh, forget it. And they were like, was, "What are you going to ask him?" I, and after I stumbled Jimmy through my question, I just thought, "I cannot." I'm staring at him. I did not listen to a word I, he said. I'm thinking, I cannot believe I'm sitting here with you. Yeah. I, I remember I asked him if you were a manager. Oh, yeah. He said, if I, I right. said, yeah, I said, if you were a manager and a player came to you and said, hey, Skip, Skip? I, I think I need a day here, what would well, you yeah. think? And, you know, he, he goes, I wouldn't be good. With yeah, that. He, he had a good chuckle about he it. It's so. so a great Skip, question. That's I'm going to need question. a day. I'm going to need a day. Who, what player has not been on the show or you haven't interviewed that you number that one want get. to yeah. Ooh, that's number a good one, one I mean, trout for me so he's never done an interview no, for and, and, and i think you know a lot of times it's a time difference and and yeah. things like that and and our, our show comes on in the morning most of the games are at night so um, if he came on tomorrow you said the media needs to ask better questions give me one question you'd ask mike trout <sighs> oh that's a good one that's you can think about it while lauren yeah, tells me, me who think she about wants it. on My, the show i i'm a huge john lester fan okay 
He's funny. Like, yeah, he's, he's good. He's got personality. He's got personality. He just does his job. He yeah. goes about his business. He doesn't, not a lot of, you know, dramatics on the mound. I love that. A yeah. hardworking pitcher. So I would interview him. I think I would ask Mike Trout, what what would you tell uh, kids that want to be as good as you are? And he'd say, oh, work hard and never give well, up. Well, then, you, then you'd have to ask him. But specifically, <laughs> if they're not as talented, for kids that are not as physically gifted right. as you are, what, I, what advice good. would you give? I'd ask him, what are you terrible at? That's a good That's question. A good question. That's a good that question. That's a good question. Because I feel like he's going to say something like, I'm really bad at baking yeah, that's pie, good, but that's good. pumpkin pie. That is yeah. a great question. That is good. That is good. Um, I feel like we're sort of of the a little bit of the younger generation of baseball fans. So I'm curious, where do we stand on the bat flips and the staring? Yes! Love it. Yeah. Love it. More bat flips, the better. It's fascinating to see MLB promote <laughs> it so much this year with the players still getting pissed off if someone you know, flips yeah, the bat. Yeah, we had that discussion it's, it's on, on Monday yeah, with, of, uh, PNC. With, with Chris Archer yeah. and what happened there. And, and I, I, I'm pro-celebration. I, I mean, I've said it before. I, I want a dude to hit a homer, and I want him to yeah. DX-chop all array around the bases. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm all for that. But as as Mark DeRosa mentioned, and I, I take, take his advice or word for it, because, I mean, he played in the game, played in the league. If you're going to do that and someone gets you, then you have to be willing to Both accept ways. that, hey, I got got, right. and – this guy has a right to celebrate because I, I would do it if I were in right. his position. Well, it seems like the, the league needs an understanding that if you hit a homer, you can flip the bat and yeah. stare at it, and the pitcher's not allowed to hit you. Let's, let's just, you know, and if a pitcher strikes you out and they want to point to the sky or do a bone, let's, like, I'm with you. Uh, maybe it's the wrestling fans in us. Robert, yeah. so you, but, but, like, I've written this a million times. Give me, I want props. Do whatever you want with celebrations. The choreograph. There's nothing wrong uh, with, give me if it's no. organic, if it's genuine, give me joy. Right. I want to see joy. I want to see people having fun. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, there is nothing wrong with it. It, it goes back to Joey Bats yes. in, the, in the postseason. I, right. I, that bat flip will live on forever. I, I mean, I can't imagine how hard this game is. And when you succeed at it, yeah. and when you do what Derek Dietrich did – Hit a seven hundred foot homer. Right, right. Heck, I would stare at it too. But there's I mean, so many people who think we're nuts and they think that it's poor sportsmanship. And I don't know. To me, baseball do whatever you can to get some juice, create some excitement, and if that's it, yeah, go for it. I, I just like people having fun, and I, I don't need it to be contrived right. or manufactured. But if it's right. organic. And genuine, there's nothing wrong with it. I like both. I mean, yeah. I just got done telling you I love John Lester, who goes about his business and doesn't say a word. But I love Alex Bregman. I love what you know what the when the players show a little personality too. Yeah. So I'm both sides. Yeah. Where do we stand on a potential um, pitch clock? Mm. Pro or con? When we talk to pitchers, that's all I know, right? right? Like when I played softball, I didn't pitch. But what position did you play? I played first base. Okay. Yeah. When you talk to pitchers, they say, it's my routine. Don't interrupt my routine. That's all I go off of. But the routine takes about a half an hour. I get it, <laughs> I, I think I, I'm of the... Pedro's telling mm-hmm. you he's got a routine. I, I, I'm of the, of the mindset almost of maybe you don't need a pitch clock, but just tell the guys, we're going to play ready golf here, fellas. Stay in the box. Stay on the mound. We don't need to adjust the batting gloves. 
But don't you think everyone has a different interpretation of that, right? I mean, I, I think it kind of falls in the umpires of, hey, Self, let's go. Self-policing, yeah. Yeah. It's it it's 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 difficult. I can, I can see the players they've they've been brought up in one yeah. particular way and then you, it's it's a culture shock so to speak. But they are very good at adjusting. And I, I think if if they come up with some rules, the players will figure it out. However you get ready for your job, whatever your job is, it, it, to, for it to be changed is tough. Yes. There's a routine there. But I'll get used to it. but listen, this changes all the time. Got it. So, mm-hmm. you know, they'll get used to it. Um I think it would be interesting to see for a year. Just see how it works out. Yeah. See how it works out. You know, yeah, you they're trying it in, do the, it in the Atlantic sure. League. Yeah. Yep. So Try it out. they yeah. can get a, an idea of what that what it might look like. All right. A couple of non-baseball things. I saw. So you grew up in Virginia. Yeah. So, yeah. But then you went to the University of Florida. I did. So last night or Monday night, was that what you wanted to see or is your loyalty to the University of Florida? With Virginia winning the national title. Oh, no. I didn't go to UVA. So you don't care? Then? Don't care. Okay. I thought maybe you'd be a little excited. <laughs> no. 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 Okay. I actually, you know, and I, I'm i from D.C., so it's not okay. really Charlotte's. Okay. Okay. Um, so I have to talk but about congrats. wrestling with Robert. For yes. A oh, let on. Well, before that, let me do this. Two, so it says on your Wikipedia page. Mm-hmm. The a, Dragon. A noted fan of pro wrestling and mm-hmm. i thought that's such a fascinating yeah, sentence to have on your wikipedia so delicate delicately oh, and uh, eloquently yeah. put but of all, like for for all things to make a wikipedia page a noted fan of professional let wrestling. me let me interrupt here yes on our show we say stuff and we we talk about robert's wikipedia page and then after the commercial break it's changed right. yeah, like will. we say his nick he says his nickname is the dragon and we say why it, and, and it's he totally says totally not true why is your nickname the, well, the we, dragon there's an interest your why wikipedia page because chris davinsky came on and said hey my he has his nickname is the dragon and i said oh my, that's weird because my nickname is the dragon too your wikipedia page is interesting because i did not know that you got in a twitter fight with nick young over iggy azalea oh yeah that's a fascinating that a long time one. ago yeah yeah that was that was did you say something negative about no it uh, was just a throwaway line on some taped programming and that, that makes you and, and that that makes it now the thing you were the co-host with danielle Sargent. that should make the wikipedia page because that was yeah. a great clip Right. Anytime someone drops an F bomb on live TV, it's yeah. Great. That was uh, that was uh, like oh, 2005, and that you was know. one of the first. I because re- I remember this was back when I was doing like hot clicks. But I mean, that was one of those clips that was like one of the first. Where, oh, really? Was uh, it? Uh, yeah. it gained, gained some traction. Was someone dropping an F word on ESPN News. That was, yeah, that was. A good that one. was, uh, that was you know, one. she's married to uh, Bill Musselman. I did not know that. Wow. Who's now the yeah. new head coach at? Uh, he was at. Um, he was at uh, Nevada. I think an Eric Musselman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and now he's the. Uh, he's the head coach. Is he at Arkansas? I think he's a new head coach at Arkansas. Yeah. yeah. So is it Bill or Eric? Eric. Okay, Eric. Yeah. Yes, that's who she's. Uh, right. That's who she's married to. That's a great. Have either of you come close to cursing on air? You're on live. It's a, no, no, not even close. <laughs> I don't curse off air. <laughs> oh really? I curse okay. all the time off yeah. air. So it's it's, <laughs> it's, it's a struggle. Do you ever slip though? There's no been no slips. Okay. Knock on live wood, TV. No. You never. You know. Knock on wood. No. If you did, I probably would have seen it. Yeah, so you you would have seen it. <laughs> uh, so wrestling, always a fan, starting from yeah, when you were growing a kid. up as a kid. WWE, WWF. Uh, no, I, I was an NWA uh, wow. Houston wrestling guy. Oh, you, okay. Because that that had a rich tradition growing up. I mean, gr- growing up in the in the South, that was the thing. Right. See, I, I, like I didn't really like WWE or WWF. I thought it was silly and cartoonish. Wow. So this, I could do a whole podcast just on yeah, this topic. Jimmy, Lauren, we walked with Elias. Lauren I, is like, uh, can 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 we move it along yeah. here? No, but I. 
when I was a kid, I, I feel like when I was a kid, everyone loved WWF. I did too. I mean, I mm-hmm. watched it. It was, but I was more fascinated with the TBS. NWA Georgia Championship Wrestling because 605 of Rick, Saturday night. Rick Flair and Dusty Rhodes and Gordon Soley. Yeah. And I was always like, why don't people like this one more than the other one? It was so much better. Yeah, there was there's a there was a realness and a, a authenticity that that organization had that WWF didn't. Now, does he try does Robert try to slip in wrestling references all, all the time in our highlights and then he just look, I look at him with a blank stare. And you know, yeah. I have no idea. I always say I'll, I'll explain it. He used it to say to walk with a lie. He says I'll explain it the commercial yeah. And so you were at WrestleMania? I was. Give me your number in a one box. I was excuse I was in a me. suite. Very nice. I, I'm not going to be with a refresh. I, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> so No, he just said it was cold. Right. Were yeah. what was your number one highlight for you personally? Uh, seeing Kofi Kingston win. That was cool, yeah. And his bringing his kids in, and just seeing how the the everyone was invested, I, and also uh, a guy uh, mis- mistook me for a Mike Tirico in the parking lot afterwards. What? That's phenomenal. I, I swear. That is phenomenal. That he said, "Are you Mike Tirico?" You should have said yes. I said no. <laughs> Were you I'm in a not. suit? I w- I was in a in a blazer and a and, and some jeans. So. Yeah. That's, I'm looking. You have a full head of hair. Mike mm-hmm. Tirico does not. Mm-hmm. Might be some other differences. I don't. I'm trying to figure out where it could. have He's African American. I am not. Yeah. That would. That's that's that that's the, the one, one that kind of yeah. jumped out to me at the. That's, <laughs> the beginning. that's an interesting I mean, one. <laughs> but I wrote yesterday in my column that I thought the John Cena returned through Thugonomics was the highlight of WrestleMania. Oh. And I got a lot of crap from people saying, obviously, it's Kofi Kingston because. Yes, African American winning the title, mm-hmm. but obviously that was a great moment. No one did, but I knew that was going to happen. The yeah. John Cena thing was the was the complete. So I think I I messed up by saying most memorable. I should have said the biggest surprise because we all knew Kofi was going to win. We knew Becky was going to win. We knew Seth was going to win, but the John Cena return to Thugonomics was the true surprise of the night. I thought. Well, the the weird part was him using the Babe Ruth clip at the beginning. I didn't quite. They dragged that out. That was too long. It was, it was too, too long, long, and I wasn't quite sure. Uh, so is John Cena Babe Ruth? Yes, basically that's okay. what he's. Yeah, what I think that's is what is going yeah. on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I know, but I love the. Jo- is John Cena's. Go ahead. John Cena's like the. He- what is he? Yeah, I mean, he, like is he I, is he really the really, face? Is he really the is face, he the face of that's WWE? What I'm asking. Oh, okay, um, I don't. I don't not know anymore. He's think the, so because he's a part time guy now. Yeah, he's not. He's not there full time. He shows up for like special occasions and. Lauren, is he still dating the the Bella? No, I no, don't think so. no. Okay. They've both moved on. They both, they both moved okay. on. It's very important to rest know in that. peace. Yeah, um, I love. It. So w- when he tries to slip in the wrestling references, you you know he's doing it. Sometimes it might be some yeah. random movie yeah. from forever ago that I can't decide where it's. Like, what are your references? Well, today, for today, instance, for example, we had Will Myers, right. and that always makes me think of Lane Meyer. From do you know what movie that no. Better Off Dead? Thank okay, you, Jimmy. Okay. Lane Thank Meyer. You. Okay. And then he just pauses. I'm terrible. With, I don't have a good memory with that stuff. It yeah. gets See, me. I have all sorts of stupid, yeah, yeah, useless there information. Was, what was the one? I can't remember now, and I'm going to blow it. So I don't even want to do it. But there was a reference during the football season to me that was really good from a movie, but I can't remember. Like I said, that. But, but it, you've done highlights now for like what 20 years straight? Yeah. Between ESPN, so. Uh, is it where you just got to do whatever you can to spice them up at this point? I I think, and Lauren can can back me up on this yeah. as well because I think she does an excellent job of this also. In that I I 
after about set, I don't know, four years at ESPN, I figured out that what works for me is pretending that I'm telling a story of how the game unfolded to a buddy and I just happen to have highlights with me. Right. So it's not necessarily then in the fifth inning. It's, you know, it's more flowing of that, you know, uh, like for, I like to do a lot of, Hey, uh, in the sixth inning, uh, Lucas Duda steps up. Duda is six for his last seven with four homers against this particular. So it it's I figured out that that's and it's also sounds a little bit please. It it hits the ear right. right. I think. And right. I feel like we have these great analysts at our you know that are able to just change the game with what they say so today we had a christian yelich highlight and uh, mark derosa our co-host has said he's a nl mvp i mean it's april 9th april 10th whatever it is so i'm like is he your nl mvp and it's so ridiculous right, right, right. but it's better than saying he was good he hit a home run or he right, robbed a home right. run yeah it's you gotta when you're doing people highlights home, they're like really yeah, yeah. nl mvp yeah <laughs> do you then check twitter after that to see what people are of saying course. yeah, yeah. Is Twitter, Twitter a huge part of your show that you have to... Yeah. The, the feedback's great. Yeah, We always call out for feedback whenever mm-hmm. we have a question or something like that. That was when, when I was lucky enough to join the, the show, which this is my second season, and Lauren and Dero had already um, been there before, and the yep. show was already uh, moving and going forward. I, I that was the one thing I, I said. I, I want it to be a little bit more social. I wanted it to be a little more uh, interactive, um, and and I think we've we've done a pretty good yeah. job of of kind of satisfying that. It's if a they- fun show. It's a fun, and I do like I I really enjoy when you have the player on, like I said earlier, who you may not know about, mm-hmm. and they give you something. I think that's what baseball needs. You know, you, listen. You can talk about pitch clock and the bat flips. Yeah, but you get a guy in there gives you a little something, shows you a little personality, and it goes a long way. I think in the in the in the sport. Absolutely. And we force it out of them. Yeah. We have this mystery box of questions. We asked Travis Shaw the other day. We're like, "What's your favorite chick pl- chick flick?" Right. And he said, "The Notebook." And so we started reciting lines from The Notebook, and he was doing it too. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's those kind of moments. Robert, and then I you're think bored. Some. Yeah. You're bored. Yeah. You wouldn't be here if you weren't. That, that's right. And he's he's doing it too. We're all resetting right. the notebook. It's right. so ridiculous in the clubhouse. It's yeah. like, what are they doing? Ba- I, I I do feel like baseball. I don't know why I feel this way about baseball more than the other two sports, but I do feel like too. If you you know, let's say you're a guy who's batting you know two twenty, or you're a pitcher as a five point four ERA. It's probably harder for you to go on TV. Yeah, joke you know joke around. So mm-hmm. it's it's a little bit of a correct. Tight the optics there. aren't great. Right, right, right. Jimmy, would you rather bat two twenty with forty? Or three ten with five. Ooh, that's a good question. I'll be asking the questions here. I would today. take the first one for sure. You want to hit the long ball. That's where you get famous. I mean, look, there's so many. There's been a ton of guys who've had terrible averages and they hit a lot of home runs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's Robert. a good question. Uh, I think I would like to hit for average. For average. Probably one of the most underrated feelings, like as an athlete, because the baseball season is so long that, but. When you hit one and you're rounding the bases, it's got to be instant gratification. Yeah, that's got to be just like I get that. That's why I don't get mad at dudes if they want to. Like Manny Machado, I think took what uh, I don't know, twelve minutes running around the bases. (laughs) Uh, So I I, and I'm like, hey, it's your moment, man. You you yeah, we celebrate greatness on our show in all forms, and we don't. Today we were talking about a 29 game hit streak that was carried over from last year. Right. Some fans say, ugh, that's complete. 
a non-issue. It's not a streak. Right. We know how hard the game is, so we celebrate all of it. Right. We celebrate cycles. We celebrate hit streaks. We celebrate everything. I feel awful for Chris Davis. Do you have you guys had him on? You, like I don't know what kind of guy he is. We but talked like, about him uh, on Tuesday show, and I, you know it, it's hey, let's make a joke of it, that sort of thing. But yeah. I, I just can't imagine what it – because I said I, I, I can't imagine how hard this game is. And, yes, he's making it a tremendous amount of money. Right. Yes, he will never have to worry about money for the rest of his life. But to experience that kind of failure on that stage on a night-in, night-out basis, yeah. and yet he's still going out there, I think it takes guts. It I really does. I. It's funny because I said I felt bad for him yesterday on Twitter, and and someone responded about him making a hundred and something million dollars. Yeah. It's like, listen, no one's denying that the money you know heals a lot of wounds, soothes you at night. You don't have to worry. About, but no matter how much money you make, whether it's a hundred thousand or a hundred million, mentally it's draining when you know you suck at your job. Mm-hmm. You're people first. You're a person. You know, I mean, that's, yeah. no matter how much you make, you don't want to be bad at your job. Correct. And it's a job where he's got teammates that he's letting down. So it's a double, yeah. you know. So and, I feel and those teammates, I'm sure, yeah. are supportive and they're doing everything they can. But ultimately, it's it's his private it's his yeah. private hell, not theirs. And I, I can't imagine what he's going. I I, I hope he, he snaps out. And of it's it. not like he struggled from the get. I mean, he hit 40 right. home runs. Yeah. So t- it's kind of like a fall from yeah. it, which is That's what would makes make it, it infinitely harder. Your hundred, yeah, it's totally yeah. totally weird that, that that it happened that way. All right, well. You guys are good at your job. I appreciate you coming well, thank on. You. you are good at yours. MLB Central every day on the great MLB network at 10 a.m. Eastern. What Join time do you guys us. get there to start, like, to do your- Me or Robert. Both. How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> how dare you? Uh, you said that just like Kelly Kapoor on The Office. Seven? Do you have any questions? Yes, how dare you? You said that just, <laughs> just the way she did. That's a, that's uh, I get there about seven-ish. 5.30. 5.30? But see- <laughs> you Wait, hold, you hold said, up. You really get there at 5.30? I do. For a 10 o'clock show? I thought you were there at 6, 6.15. No, it's in the fives. Man, I really yeah, feel five. bad now. No, it's, you that's know what it is. Coming in at seven, here's, but here's I was going to say, she Robert's, seems aggressive. Robert's there, staying up later where I catch up on everything that's, and the scores. Okay. He does. He's okay. he's yeah. playing video. He's playing MLB The Show. Right. And he's watching the Astros right. game every well, see, night and keeping scores. I don't, I don't know if it's scores. bad form to mention. Well, you're not really competitors. They're off the air at 10, but I've had the good morning football crew on. And I say to them, how do you watch a Sunday and Monday night game? Because they... Our, their show starts at seven. You're yep. at least at ten, and they say they got to DVR it, watch it the next yep. morning at four thirty in the morning. Yep. I'm like, I, I'd rather it's tough. Push yeah. the start time. Ten o'clock is a good start time at least. Yeah. Yeah. So Robert watches at night. I watch in the right. morning. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. I also ways. like uh, MLB Network Radio on the drive in. You do that. Get a little catch I do up. Quick pitch. Yeah. On MLB. Quick Network. pitch is also it's an good. Hour you get everything. Serious is great. Good. Sirius is so great. Yep. It's one of the things that's worth the money, I think. But yeah. that's my own little quick pitch. pitch. That's a good call. Yeah. We do that too. It's always on in the in the we call it the bullpen, but in our office and it's constant loop and you got get some nice little nuggets, get a sense of some of the, some of the things you may have missed. So yep, MLB network. The MLB, Be there or be square. Yes. Well this is this is the time for it. College football college basketball's over now and Baseball will take into over. the forefront. It was the time for that. Before. This is our time. Yep, I appreciate you guys coming in, Robert. I'm gonna have you. We have to do it. Just a wrestling podcast. When are we gonna I, do it? And we, Not we'll do now. That. <laughs> we, we, this would have been the week. To, maybe before SummerSlam. We'll. we'll uh, oh, let's do it. We'll do I mean, you got my man yeah. Lou right here. He yes. knows how to get a hold of me. Yes. Well, because we'll, I've got some things that I, yeah. you probably need to get schooled on. Absolutely. And I want to talk about that Houston it. wrestling for sure. <laughs> All right. My thanks to uh, Robert Flores and Lauren Shahadi. MLB Central Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. Eastern on the MLB Network.
All right, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Thanks for listening. Big thanks to my guests, Ray Ratto, Lauren Shahadi, Robert Flores, my producer, Brandon Nix. Appreciate you guys listening. Uh, please be sure to subscribe and check out podcasts there in the archives, rate, review. It's all good, but the subscription is really key. So please hit that button. We'll see you next week right here on the Sports Illustrated Media Podcast. Take care. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.